Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transit Matters podcast uh, in partnership with Commonwealth Magazine. Uh, my name is Josh Fairchild. I'm the president of Transit Matters and I'm joined with my co-host. Jim Aloisi, a board member of Transit Matters. Today we've brought a guest uh, uh, from, the, from the state senate, uh, Senator Brendan Crichton, a uh, Democrat from the 3rd Essex, uh, covering Lynn, Swampscott, Saugus, and Linfield. Is that, is that about covered? Marblehead and Nahant as well. We can't oh, yes. Let's Nahant. get them all. Um, and you chaired Linfield the, too, right? Yes, I said okay, Linfield. Right. Yeah, and, and the Linwoods Reservation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> chair of the Housing Committee, uh, Vice Chair of Economic Development. Uh, any others that you want to throw in there? Yeah, uh, public uh, health as well as uh, mental health and substance misuse. Um, and uh, yeah, those are the, those are the big ones. All right. Well, we are here to talk about transportation, actually. So that's um, what we wanted to uh, bring you in and talk about, uh, mostly because. Um, phase one of regional rail, uh, the vote that was approved by, uh, or the, the resolutions that were passed by the uh, Fiscal Management Control Board of the MBTA back in uh, early November, uh, include um, three uh, lines to be, three of the commuter rail lines to be um, phased in as regional rail, uh, which is kind of the vision that has been um, recognized by the FMCB um, to provide fast, frequent, all-day electrified service along the, the commuter rail lines, uh, beginning with um, the providence Staten line, uh, the Fairmount line and what they're calling the uh, the EJ corridor up to up to Lynn and improvements along that line. So um, we're excited to talk about that. Yeah, and I'm personally excited, Senator, to have you here. You know, um, those of us who've been a, wh- a while in the transportation advocacy community know that um, the senator from Lynn um, always has had a large or an outsized role in transportation policy making, and I know you worked with former chairman of the Transportation Committee, McGee, now Mayor McGee, for many years. And and we're delighted that you're basically following in those footsteps and taking leadership positions in areas that are really important, not just to your district, but to the region. And so we're, I'm really happy to have you here and and to also let people know that, that you're, uh, you're taking on this important issue as one that really is not just something that will improve our lives today, but really be impactful for the future. The whole um, excitement that we have experienced recently coming from the Fiscal Management and Control Board's decision to adopt a regional rail vision with a phase one that made to us a lot of sense um, is really exciting. I know that this month... um, the general manager is supposed to come back to the Fiscal Management Control Board with a plan for a designated office of regional rail uh, within the T, as well as bus, by the way. But we're talking about rail today mostly. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing what that will look like and what how Mr. Poftak has designed that. But one of the, as Josh pointed out, one of the phase one elements uh, includes the corridor, the environmental justice corridor, linking Lynn to, to downtown Boston. And um, I wanted to ask you, first of all, what do you think, how, how did you react to that? How is it that the legislature and the Senate can be supportive of that? And how do you see that in the larger context of mobility within the sort of inner greater Boston area? Uh, well, first, let me uh, just say thank you. Uh, both to, to Josh and Jim for your work in Transit Matters. It's certainly a, a very valuable voice and resource for us in the legislature and also 
you know, having worked uh, for uh, now Mayor McGee and Senator McGee uh, with you, Jim, uh, for a number of years, uh, you know, certainly an honor to continue uh, Mayor McGee's push. And he's uh, been playing an active role in this as well. I don't think he's wanted to let go of the transportation, uh, you know, mantle too quickly. But uh, for us on, you know, I was going to say in the North Shore, but really any area surrounding Boston, congestion's at, you know, the breaking point. And it has been for quite some time, but, um, you know, more and more studies that we look at in the, in the work that you've done uh, really highlight the need to get cars off the road and to get people back uh, on rail into revision, really, our commuter rail system. For, the, you know, the longest time, over 100 years, we've been pushing for rapid transit to Lynn via the Blue Line, and it's something, you know, we had pushed hard for last year to get a feasibility study in the works, um, in which you know, we're happy to have that passed. Uh, but at the same end, with this larger look and revisioning of our rail system, we saw an opportunity uh, to really you know, highlight the need um, along this corridor, uh, but also you know, really throughout Greater Boston for affordable and more frequent service uh, in doing it in a responsible way that's going to be sustainable for the long term in terms of electrification. So. Um, I think we have a very strong case to be made, and I think the board recognizes that. I think it's important that people understand that the phase one, in particular in this line, the EJ line, it's really about a couple of things. It's about improving people's access to jobs, to schools, to hospitals, uh, to the basic elements that make up a quality of life. It's also about cleaning the environment, of replacing dirty diesels with modern electric uh, powered systems. And uh, particularly in this, I call it inner core environment of Lynn and Revere, East Boston, um, Saugus, that, that, that part of the inner core, these are really uh, critical issues. People have been living with the impacts of any kinds of, you know, increased auto emissions due to congestion. And in the Revere, East Boston environment, probably even in Lynn, there's emissions from airplane travel. Um, and then compounding that of the diesel locomotives that currently um, power the commuter rail system. So this becomes both about getting people access to what's really important to them and also about improving generally the air quality and the quality of their lives. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we, we phrased it the environmental justice corridor, uh, not just for, you know, catch line, but to, you know, really emphasize the amount of emissions and how these communities, uh, you know, lower-income communities abutting this commuter rail, all that they will ever know of rapid transit on the North Shore is, you know, the diesel emissions that spew from our commuter rail trains, the congestion along uh, Route 1A, uh, not to mention the, you know, Logan Airport component of it, um, $7 a fare to get from Lynn to uh, Boston. Um, most folks in Lynn will never use a commuter rail at that rate, yet they will still deal with the environmental consequences of the congestion and of the uh, the trains and industrial areas surrounding them, and these are these issues are linked, and I want to be really clear about it. the The EMU, the electric multiplied multiple vehicle, when you compare it to the diesel, not only doesn't it does it not pollute, it works better. It's cheaper to maintain. It doesn't break down anywhere near as much. The mean distance between failures of an of an EMU versus a diesel. Is, is a vast di differential. And so we're talking about something that will end up saving money in the long run, cleaning the air, being more, much more reliable, and therefore providing people with that frequency, predictability, and reliability 
that they really need to count on. We talk a lot, people say, you know, the congestion that's gripping our environment within Metro Boston requires us to think about modal shift, getting people, how do you get some people out of their cars and onto rail? The answer is, one of the things you need to do is give them a good alternative, right? Give them that frequent all-day service. So if someone from Lynn has a, wants to take commuter rail but is worried because they've got a kid that, that may be sick coming home from school, they want to get home in a hurry. If they had 15-minute frequencies on a commuter rail, they're going to be comfortable. If they don't think that anything's going to happen other than they're stranded, they're going to drive, right? And that's a cost and a, and a burden on them and on everyone else if that car is on the road. So I, I wanted to, to ask a question. Um, getting into, so we, you know, the FMCB has made, made a recommendation. They've decided, uh, they've resolved to do this. Um, but in some ways, it's an unfunded mandate. Things are going to be kicked over you know, to, to the Senate um, and to, to, to the House to, to figure out how to fund this. Um, so there's some next steps to consider. Um, I think the first question I wanted to ask is, you know, very successful push from the electeds on the North Shore and the communities on the North Shore to, to make this happen. I don't think necessarily everybody thought that the EJ corridor would be chosen as the first one. I think there's a lot of reasons why it's, it's a good choice, um, but there's also some complications there. So I guess my first question is, what is it, um, what is it about this that will be transformational for, for your community? And if we were going to, you know, play a cost-benefit um, how does how does the EJ corridor fit in as a cost benefit in the region, um, and why why do you think that's a good choice? Uh, you know, of, of the menu of choices maybe that we have. Uh, thanks, Josh. So I I think when you look at the the successful push of the the Fairmont line, obviously the Providence line is a little different in that it's you know more focused on you know how quickly it could be electrified. But the Fairmont line, you know, while we're a little further away, um, you know, we're still. Um, you know, less than 10 miles away where, you know, I can look out uh, from my neighborhood and see Boston, yet you, you can't get there quickly. So I th think the proximity, I think the, you look at the uh, income levels uh, surrounding these communities, the need for a more affordable fare, again, $7 for a one-way trip, not to mention parking and um, additional transfers as well. And then to, to Jim's point on reliability and frequency in in Lynn, there are express trains that fly by us, so our constituents sit there and watch these trains from other communities. I'm not disparaging them, some of which I represent, but they're flying through, and uh, oftentimes when those trains show up in Lynn, they are full, um, they're at capacity, and um, some of my staff you know, will take the commuter rail from time to time. If they miss a train and have to wait a half an hour or, depending on the time of day, much later than that, I'm not going to fire them, but the average worker doesn't have as nice a boss as I am to you know, uh, accept those shortcomings of our, our rail system. So if, if we're, we're serious about getting folks out of their cars, it needs to be reliable. It needs to be more frequent. Folks aren't working nine to five, uh, you know, all the time. That, you know, that those peak hours, you know, there is service there, you know, somewhat frequent, but it needs to be throughout the day. So I think just, again, if we're competing with other, I, I would like to see the entire system. But I think when you're talking about, you know, a number of folks want us to take a, a larger look and let's study this more and look... I think overall, maybe not every uh, commuter rail station needs, you know, that type of frequency or needs that exact price point. Uh, but let's get started somewhere. We've been pushing for this for over 100 years in the form of the blue line. Um, it's, you know, the same arguments we made over and over again. There's no need to, to study this much further than just looking at the data that exists now. Do you think that the, there's an appetite 
in the legislature now. I know you probably talk more to the Senate than the House, but are we at a point where there's an appetite that the legislature would see what the FMCB has done and support it and think about, you know, how, how do we how do we take this opportunity moment and provide it with the, the sort of revenue funding support that we need? We hear a lot about, you know, the, both the president and the speaker being really committed to doing something uh, meaningful this year. What's your take on it? So, I mean, from my conversations with my Senate colleagues, I think, you know, folks are generally supportive of, you know, moving forward. This You had asked about the revenue, too. Sorry, I skipped over that, uh, Josh. I think, you know, there's an opportunity this year. Obviously, both branches are talking about um, the need for revenue, and there's a Senate working group, and I don't want to step on the toes of Senator Boncori, who's been tremendous on We're this and other issues. Week. Oh, good. <laughs> he can add more to that, but I, I, there's, it's definitely one of the top priorities, and I, I imagine through taking up the transportation bond bill or whatever we do on revenue, that there are certainly vehicles that have legs this year to tackle, you know, some of the recommendations or resolutions at the, uh, from the control board. So uh, the time is now. I don't think we can afford to wait. I don't want to, uh, you know, continue to study this. I'm excited to hear the update from the GM soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to keep fighting for it. It's, you know, I, I don't know that um, – we haven't received a set timeline on any of this stuff yet, and I th- think we really need to hold folks accountable, um, you know, both in the building but also outside organizations uh, such as yours. And I, so you have filed a bunch of bills that I think are really quite both timely and really, really good. Um, both, if, correct me if I'm wrong, um, redefining the metropolitan highway system, which I think is an essential component to creating regional equity and providing funding sources for some of what we're talking about and reducing congestion. And I think you've also filed some bills that relate to, to ride-hailing companies, TNC. Well, you talk about that a little bit, particularly the redefining of the MA. For, for listeners who don't understand, the Metropolitan Highway System was created back in the 19, middle of the 1990s as the first way to think about funding and financing the components of the urban system that the Central Artery Tunnel Project was building. So today, the Metropolitan Highway System is the turnpike from 128 into Boston and the harbor crossings, the, the Tobin, the Sumner, and the Callahan. Um, today's Metropolitan Highway System, if you were to define it accurately, is a lot more than that. One of the downsides of the current system, and I think the Senate President has been vocal about this, and I agree with her, is um, it's completely inequitable from a regional perspective. Um, and it's just not up to the task. So this mid-1990s legislation really needs a refresh. And I know you have been, you have led in thinking through what that would look like. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. No, that's a, a great description, much better than I could have put it. Um, and again, I, you know, I made my career off of stealing good ideas from other people. This was uh, both a Senator McGee and Senate President Spilka uh, you know, bills in the past, but, you know, more or less on, in the Metro West, in Senator Spilka's case, and on the North Shore, we pay tolls. We've paid tolls on the Tobin uh, and the Sumner and the Ted Williams in, you know, coming in from the Pike. I have no objection whatsoever to paying tolls. I'm, you know, I think we need to increase revenue for transportation in, in, uh, in a big way. Uh, but for, you know, for us on the North Shore, we believe that it should be a more equitable system in, you know, getting past you know, the definitions of our old highway system and expanding that. Uh, so one of the bills, well, I mean, just generally the bills would 
you know, encourage and in some ways force MassDOT to take a more holistic approach, more equitable approach to tolling and to explore all different tolling options. I mean, technology has increased significantly since these parameters were set. There's, you know, a number of different ways to look at tolling. And I, I know the, again, the Senate Working Group, as well as the committee, are taking a serious look at that. On the TNC front, again, not a, not a new idea, but I think we didn't fully realize when we were developing our rideshare legislation a couple of years ago how big of an impact they would have on our roads in Massachusetts. And I'm not against ride-hailing services. I, you know, use them uh, fairly regularly, but um, they need to pay, you know, their fair share in terms of the impact that they're having on congestion and on our roads. Uh, so our bill, a few different bills out there, would just set it at the sales tax and it provide discounts for uh, ride sharing um, to take more cars off the road. So we, we talked about <clears throat> talked about um, transportation funding a little bit, um, and w- there's kind of two other issues that I see that are really coming into the mix that are kind of urgent as far as maybe even getting getting them done this session. Um, one is governance. And then governance at a larger scale, even getting into the regional transit authorities, uh, which is something that the last um, two-year session, um, the legislature was really trying to f- figure out, you know, how do we get some accountability, and then what are we going to do next time with the next time that we have we have a two-year bill? So w- what are your thoughts as far as co- consolidation of um, ideas and um, willingness to act on, on these two areas? I may have to pass on this one, Josh. Uh, no, I... You know, I'm certainly, I, I think we, we need to make adjustments. I, I do defer to, you know, the Senate chair is kind of leading these discussions on it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't been as involved in that end of the, the discussion. But, you know, there needs to be those components in play if we want to move these things forward to get any of this done. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to move forward with it. But I think the details still need to be worked out a bit. What are you hearing from people in, in your district about their – anxieties about things like congestion and mobility. I mean, how, how, does it, how does it bubble? You know, we talk about it because we're, we're focused on it, we're passionate about it, um, we experience it as users of the system. Um, but you're more in touch with, you know, the typical average citizen who's just trying to make a go of it every day. How is it, how are you experiencing this affecting them? This, but I mean by this, this chronic traffic congestion, this chronic unreliable commuter rail system, this failure to connect the blue line to Lynn, how is it affecting real people in your district um, every day? I'd say, I mean, up there with education and housing, this is the biggest issue people are facing. When we talk about transportation for the longest time, it was, you know, kind of more generally, we need to invest more, you know, across the board. Now it's, it's all about the traffic. It's all about the congestion. And it's whether you're a business trying to get your employees to a certain destination or if you're the mother picking up or father picking up your, you know, kid at school, uh, everyone's experiencing it. And there's a wide range of factors. It's not just, you know, TNCs. It's not just the good economy. It's not just more cars on the road. But the anxiety people are feeling is real. Um, and I think that presents an opportunity for us because you have 200 members in the legislature. It's often mm-hmm. difficult to, to take votes to increase revenue or to come up with bold decisions on this. But when you know, every elected official is hearing this as a top issue in their district. The need to act is now and not in a just an incremental way. This that's, needs to be a big, sorry. That's all right. No, I'm sorry. I'm just wondering what, if you've thought about um, Senator Lesser has filed a bill on um, um, regional ballot initiatives. And I know because I've talked to Mayor Driscoll and, and, and McGee and Mayor Cahill, I think 
those three in particular would be really interested. The mayor of Boston in his speech this week said he supported it. Um, I think there's a lot of municipal support for saying, give us some tools and, you know, we'll, it's not going to solve everything, but we can do some things, right? What's your judgment about that bill and, and where it, I know there's been some pushback in the House, I think, in the past, but is there a chance that advocates can be helpful in getting something like that enacted into law? Absolutely. And I, you know, for me, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer, and I'm a former uh, state rep as well, so not to disparage anybody, but the Senate has passed it twice. Um, <laughs> I think there's an appetite to do it again. Uh, I don't, for any of these local options, you know, let's allow them to, you know, if they want to raise the revenue and provide better transportation for their districts, why not? It will help the overall region and state as well. So I'm very supportive of that. I have the impression that some of the pushback came because some people thought, well, wait a minute, you know, if you do regional ballot initiatives, Boston, Cambridge, Quincy, Somerville, they're going to have a lot of revenue sources to tap into, you know, Lemonster, Amherst, maybe not so much. So why is this fair? I think there's a way to say, look, you could set aside X percent of the revenue from the quote-unquote wealthier communities as a fund to help those communities that don't have that kind of revenue base. So you could think about, and I know that's not in the bill, but I guess I'm tossing out an idea no, which says if that's a concern, there's a way to sort of resolve it. No, I think that's a, yeah. an interesting take on it, something I'll think more about. I think just generally, though, if it if a local community is poning up more money, I mean, right. just generally that's more money more to money. work with statewide transportation mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, you know, so talking about constituents and their experiences, um, I, I'm wondering, uh, in a two-part question, are, are, are you beginning to hear from them that, that they're aware of the regional rail vote? Are they excited about it? Has it broken through sort of all the, the din of, you know, because we hear about things are going to happen, but then, oh, but we still have to fund it, and then we have to bid yeah. it, and we have to build it, and, and all these things. Um, so are, are they hearing about it? And then the second part of that is, are, what are you telling them or what would you what would you tell people to, you know, how they can help make it come to fruition? No, it's a, it's a great point. And while we were very excited over the vote and it was, you know, somewhat unexpected that quickly that um, we're not spiking the football by any means. This was a great first step. So we've made it very clear to all of our outreach throughout the district that this is a big deal. It's a big deal to be included, but there's still more work to be done in terms of the funding, in terms of making sure that the state is held accountable uh, and in a timely way, right? This People have been hearing about the blue line in, on the North Shore for 100 years, so everyone is skeptical anytime you come and say there's near rapid transit or rapid transit on its way. I think there's still that level of skepticism by many, uh, but, you know, the fears and frequency, again, it's, it's enough to get a lot of folks on the North Shore out of their cars. Uh, so they're excited about that. Now the big question is when. I mean, that's the next follow-up. When can we expect this? I'd also say, too, just in terms of the housing issue is, you know, completely related with our, you know, transportation problem and trying to build, uh, you know, uh, transit-oriented development. This Hearing from economic development folks that they, they want to know. I mean, this is the way they can get financing to build inland and other gateway cities. Uh, by having some commitment towards uh, near rapid transit. I mean, Lynn is about to be, and, and really, I, I guess I, we can go back to the, to the legislature. This can happen as quick as the legislature sort of has the, the ability to mandate and, and fund for it, for it to happen, uh, you know, with, within reason. But um, one of the reasons it's really exciting um, for your constituency is they're about to get closer to Boston. 
Like, they're, they're not very far away, but it feels very... Everybody, oh, the, the so North far. Shore. I mean, yeah. I'm not from the North Shore. It's so far away. We go, we go there to the beach in the summer, you know, but it's a long day, day trip, you know. You're about to become very close. Um, and one of, the, one of the other issues that you run into there, besides just the train, is the bus, which we haven't talked about today um, yet. But that was one of the resolutions um, adopted by, by the control board. And you, your constituency gets both MBTA uh, bus service and commuter rail service. And maybe because of how unreliable or how you know infrequent the schedule is and the expense, you may have m- more constituents talking to you about the bus on a day-to-day basis. I'm not really sure, but what do you hear about the bus and, and, and that, the excitement around that? There's, there's definitely an excitement in terms of creating you know, more rapid or more frequent uh, bus service among, uh, along major corridors. Um, you know, we're working right now with the, it's the Lynn Transit Action Plan. The state had designated Lynn and made it eligible for you know, a year-long kind of review of our, our different transit services and buses really, you know, stood out. Um, obviously, over in Everett, that was one of the results of their mm-hmm. transit action plan, um, you know, dedicated lanes and such. So uh, we're still working through that. It's kind of early on, but uh, bus needs to be a part of this. I was pleased that that was an added uh, resolution. Uh, and it also it's also something that could happen, you know, I'm talking about, you know, near rapid transit in the near term, uh, bus could happen, you know, much Bus improvements could happen much uh, more quickly. I should also mention water transportation, which um, in Lynn we had a, a, a pilot program a number of years ago that exceeded our expectations. The two-year pilot, just seasonal, very limited marketing, very limited scheduling. Uh, but we have a state-of-the-art uh, ferry terminal in the city of Lynn that we have not been able to uh, get operating funds for from the state. And uh, when we're talking about getting cars off the road, from Marblehead to Swampskit to Manhattan through Lynn, if you're coming down 1A, you're coming down the limit, you're driving right past a ferry terminal that could get you to Boston in 30 minutes. Um, so instead of the hour that from that point, it would take you to get in. We certainly believe that that could also be a piece for short dollars as well. When you look at uh, Hingham and all the success they've had there, when you look at the population growth, which I haven't talked about much, on the North Shore, you know, we're going to be well over 100,000, I think, of the next census in, wow. in Lynn. And with thousands of units being developed in Revere, not to mention, you know, the Suffolk Downs, 10,000, you know, housing units in addition to office space. In Lynn, we have 1,000 units, you know, permitted and shovels in the ground. You know, that road is already congested. It's uh, only going to get worse. So whether it's bus, ferry, uh, near rapid transit on the commuter rail, all these things need to be part of the solution. And by the way, you just mentioned Suffolk Downs. I'll just say it because it needs to be said. If you want people in Lynn and places like in that, in that area of the North Shore, near North Shore, to be able to access the jobs that are going to be created at Suffolk Downs, you need to connect the blue line to Lynn, period, right? Now, there are ways to do it, and I don't know. You know I'm sort of agnostic these days. I'm sort of thinking path of least resistance. Maybe it's a connection at Wonderland, and there's a little bit of a move. I think it would work. I think it might be the path of least resistance. But the idea that we're going to build um, not just the housing, but there will be real new jobs, um, good jobs at Suffolk Downs and deprive people in Lynn and other areas and so close of an easy blue line ride, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for equity purposes, for economic development purposes. Um, it's, 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 it is as bad an idea as not building early West Station at Alston which is going to be depriving people from everywhere, West, Newton, Natick, Framingham, Worcester, of access to jobs in Kendall Square. And if we're serious about 
wanting to grow jobs and making it easier for people to get to those jobs and have a family life, we got to give them these transit and rail alternatives. No, I couldn't agree more. It's a great point. And, you know, I'm a little bit agnostic in how we make that connection now, too, for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was you know, straight blue line to Lynn. However we can connect to that corridor um, will be huge. We need to do it. And I, I failed to mention, you know, Amazon opening up at the old ne- NECO site. that butts the commuter rail, which are thousands of jobs. Again, jobs that folks in Lynn uh, could be using. And it's not just about getting folks to Boston. We, we call it the EJ corridor. You know, it's Chelsea, it's Revere, it's Everett. There are jobs you know, from folks going from Lynn to those communities and also vice versa. There's definitely a lot of synergy there, mm-hmm. and let's just make it easier to get back and forth. I think EJ in this context means both environmental justice and economic Absolutely. justice. Um, I, I think the the few of the things that we talked about um, was making me think, man, ballot the local ballot initiatives are, are going to be great for a lot of these, you know, you mentioned the ferry. Um, and we talked about bus, and there's, there's a lot on both sides that for what we're going to call small money um, that can be done at the local level to really um, show the initiative of, of the local you know, constituencies to say, well, we're willing to put some money towards that to make those street improvements to help you know, the buses move faster or the, you know, the traffic signal improvements or, or whatever it is or subsidize part of the ferry like some, some other towns have been able to do. Um, it, there's a lot of opportunities, um, especially in, in, a, in a denser corridor, you know, like what you represent um, to, to bring a lot of good services to your constituents because definitely the North Shore, I mean, we're not going to have blue line to land, obviously, overnight. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to continue to be an all of the above kind of situation where there's, there's a lot of different ways that we can help people have the options that they need on the North Shore. You mentioned something about developers um, and being able, and, and transit being something that could help pencil in, you know, pencil out um, development happening. It, do you, do, are you seeing in Lynn a lot of opportunities for um, transit-oriented development or, you know, infill development uh, and added population near these transit hubs or what, what are going to be regional rail hubs? Absolutely. So uh, right now we have 10 stories of uh, housing, which when I was on the city council, everyone said you're not getting over, you know, five or six stories of housing here. The economics just don't work with it. 10 stories going up uh, on Monroe Street, which abuts the commuter rail station. You have 348 units on the waterfront, which will have a boardwalk connecting it to the ferry. Uh, The old GE site, which GE used to employ over 20,000 people on the land, it's down to a few thousand, hopefully growing, but it's a huge site. I wish I had a I guess you can't see a map on podcasts, but it's, it's, it's a huge site, uh, thousands of un- units permitted. I mean, it's a very, it's a very big, uh, bold development, but actually on a commuter rail stop. So in Lynn, you have Central Square, but also a flag stop at the GE Riverworks from when it used to be a you know, far more robust plant. Um, so all those sites are dependent. I mean, in, if you looked at a map of Lynn's waterfront, it's, it's not developed yet each you know, site is really a walkable distance for the commuter rail to bus or to ferry. Um, so it could really help uh, ease some of the the, how, the the crisis we're facing in terms of housing production as well. Well, I think uh, we can give you an opportunity if you want to have a last word, anything you want us to leave on? No, I just want to thank you for all your great work in this. And again, just to, to stress that while we made progress in this, it's going to, to be a fight, I think, both on the the revenue side of things, but also holding folks accountable and holding them to a schedule um, that's both reasonable but also uh, bold to meet these challenges because this isn't something we can deal with. Like, I mean, hear more and more on the TCI, and I mean, that's years from now. We need to, to tackle this now with mm-hmm. serious revenue and a, a serious game plan. Well, Senator, my message to you and to your colleagues is not just us, but I think many thousands, and I mean thousands of people who support 
not the, the Transit Matters agenda and the advocacy agenda are there to have your back. And we do, we will have your back, and we'll be working very hard to support uh, you and others who are thinking about these issues, acting on these issues, and we're looking forward to a really productive year. Thank you. Great. Thanks a lot.